Morning, West Bowles Community Church. How are you? Good. It's good to see you all this morning. Hey, thanks for being here with us. Uh, and those of you watching online, thank you for joining us online. My name is David Perez. I'm the youth director here at the church. Um, and I'm really excited to share with you uh, something that God has put on my heart. So I'm going to pray and we're just going to jump right into it. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day and this time. Thank you again for the opportunity for us to get together as a body, Lord. I just pray um, that you just speak through me, that it may not be my words, but yours, Lord God. Uh, I pray that you just open hearts and ears. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, hey, if you're anything like me, as you were watching that bumper, um, you had maybe one of two reactions, okay? One, as you watched people get so close to succeeding, so close to scoring, to finishing the race, your heart sank, and you were like, oh, no, like that hurts. Or two, you were watching, and you were going, what losers? Are you kidding me? Who celebrates before they score or pass the finish line? Like, you just don't do that. Now, whether you were thinking one of those two things or maybe you were thinking something else, um, I know we all felt something as we watched that. And I think there's a reason that we all felt something, and it's because this idea of success and failure is ingrained into our brains from an early age. Now, when we're young, it doesn't sound like success and failure. The words we use are winning and losing. Okay, growing up, we know that you can win or you can lose. And there are winners and there are losers. And every single one of us knows what it feels like to both win and lose. We understand the consequences and what goes along with that. And just to really uh, show us that we all have that common understanding, uh, there's a little progressive commercial that I think really uh, puts this into perspective. So check it out. Hey, big guy. I heard you lost a close one today. Look, Jamie, maybe we weren't the lowest rate this time. But when you show people their progressive direct rate and our competitors' rates, you can't win them all. The important part is you help them save. Thanks, Flo. Okay. Let's go get you an ice cream cone, champ. The sprinkles? The sprinkles are for winners. I understand. Guys, I've watched that commercial like 30 times in this past weekend, and it gets me every time. I think all of us, when she goes, sprinkles are for winners, it's like we go, yeah, you're right. Sprinkles are for winners. Um, I just, I love his face, too, when he's like, I understand. Okay, we, we all know what that feels like, and we all, in, in a sense, really do understand. Well, sprinkles are for winners because we understand what it is to win and lose, and we understand the consequences that come with both things. We, we get it. We understand success and failure. It's something that's, like I said, ingrained deep within our heads. Now, success and failures are not bad things. It is a good thing to want to succeed, and as counter intuitive as this sounds, failure is actually also a good thing because we learn and grow, I would say, probably the most from failure. The problem comes is when they become squirrels. Now, if you joined us last Sunday, Nathan opened us up in the series, and he talked about this idea of squirrels. In other words, things that distract us from the main thing, things that distract us from our Lord and from how he would have us live. And success and failures can very 
easily become squirrels. And I would say, and this is just my opinion, that of all the things that, be, that can become squirrels in our lives, I think success and failures are the ones to most easily become lions. Now, again, Nathan last Sunday told us that when squirrels, when those distractions become our sole focus, when they begin to take our identity, that's when they become lions. Lions that devour and consume us from the inside out. And I would say that success and failure can very quickly become lions. Now, if I'm being honest, church, um, (laughs) this is probably the hardest sermon for me to prep and to preach. Because as I began to look at Scripture, as I began to pray and think through this idea of success and failure, the Lord really revealed to me that in my own life, I have and I still do let success and failure become a squirrel. I let it distract me from what's really important, from the most important thing. And you know what? He also showed me that not only have I and do I let success and failure become squirrels, but I oftentimes let them become lions. I've tied my identity to my own success and my own failures. And I'd be willing to bet that there are some of you sitting here this morning or watching online who could say, me too. And so this morning, we're going to talk about success and failure, how they become squirrels, what it looks like when they become lions. And we're also going to discover that God has something better for us. So we're going to start by talking about successes. Like I said, everyone wants to succeed. It's a good thing. I don't think any single one of us wakes up in the morning and goes, I'm going to fail today. You know, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to be the worst spouse that I can be. No, we don't, we don't wake up and go to school and go, I'm going to be a terrible student. I'm going to make my teacher's day just as difficult as possible. You know, we don't, we don't show up uh, to our game and go, I'm going to get the ball with two seconds left, and I'm going to miss that shot. No, we want to succeed. And not just in one area of our lives, but I think in every area of our lives. We want to be successful spouses and siblings and friends. We want to be successful students and athletes and performers. We want to be successful Christians, bosses, business owners. And again, that's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. But success very quickly becomes a squirrel because... We succeed once, okay, we do something good, and we like that feeling, right? Every single one of us likes to hear, hey, good job, well done. And so we hear it once, and what do we do again? Well, we want to succeed again, and then again, and again, and again, and again, and again. And very quickly, what happens is our focus goes from the Lord and doing what he's called us to, to all of a sudden just being successful, to succeeding as much as we can. And then once it's a squirrel, it very quickly becomes a lion. When we define ourselves, when we tie our identity directly to if we succeed, how often we succeed, 
how much we succeed. When we tie our self-worth to that, that's when it becomes a lion. You know, I, I think of someone who's maybe made success a lion or, or a squirrel. I think of someone like Jeff Bezos. I mean, he's the richest man on earth right now. But is Amazon slowing down? No. Right? He's chasing that next success. And there's a reason why we want the next promotion. There's a reason why we want a bigger house. There's a reason why we want that better car or that better phone. Because we're chasing success. And like I said, it becomes a lion when our identity is tied directly to whether or not we succeed or how much we succeed. You know, in a marriage, that might look like going, I need to make sure that I'm the better spouse. In a friendship, success being a lion looks like I'm going to compete for everything. I need to be the better friend. When it comes to school and sports, well, when we tie our identity to success, it, it looks like going, nothing else in life matters except for my sports and getting good grades. That's all that's important. With work, it looks like leaving everything else aside and focusing on just work. And in our faith, success, being a lion, taking over our identity, looks like instead of saying that our faith produces works, that our works produce faith. When our focus, when our identity is tied to success, all of a sudden our faith becomes about what we do, how much good we can do, how perfect we can become, how little we can sin. Or look at my deeds. Look at how good I've done. Look how good of a Christian I am. Our faith turns into Christ plus our deeds equals salvation. Now, lucky for us, we aren't the only people in history to have experienced this. This has happened throughout history. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. We're going to pick it up in verse 1. It says this, Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh, for it is we who are the circumcision. We who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. Now, we have to understand is, Paul here is, is talking to, of course, the Philippians, but he's also referring to a specific group of Christians. Okay, in the early church, we really had two main groups of Christianity. We had the, the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians. Now, within the Jewish Christian community, there was a smaller group known as the Judaizers. And here's what they believed, that salvation was brought about not only through faith in Christ and his sacrifice, but also through our own works and doings. It was not just up to what Christ did, but it was also up to me and how successful I was at following the law, how good of a Christian I could be, how little I 
could sin, how perfectly I could follow things. Sounds a little familiar, doesn't it? Yeah. Listen to what Paul says next. He says, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law faultless. What Paul is saying is, okay, you think your works are good? Mine are better. Let me give you a, a, like an example, okay? Now, I'm the, I'm the youth director. I'm in charge of both junior high and high school. Let's say one night for junior high youth group, I go, hey, kids, tonight we're going to play tackle football. Now, I might not be taller than every junior high, okay? But I'm a little stronger, I'm a little bigger, maybe a little faster, We've got a little more experience when it comes to playing football. I'm a little older. Needless to say, I think I might win, okay? I think I might beat them. So let's just say you see me out in the field, and I am, like, demolishing these kids, okay? I'm tackling them. I'm laying them out. I've got, like, seven junior hires dragging on my feet into the end zone. And every single time I score, every single time I tackle one of them, every single time I lay one of them out, I am just standing over them, flexing on them. I am telling them how much better I am than them. I'm celebrating. Okay, first of all, if you saw that, you'd be like, wow, I'm never taking my kid to that youth group ever. And two, I'd be fired, all right? So just, I'd never do that with the junior hires, okay? I promise. It's just an example. Okay, man, let's say you see me doing that, and all of a sudden, Vaughn Miller walks down on the field, okay? Now, he is just a little bit bigger than me, just a tiny bit stronger, okay? A little bit better of a football player, right? Just, just a tiny bit. No, he is way better than I am. I mean, he's a professional football player. Needless to say, Vaughn Miller would demolish me, would he not? I mean, if it was me and Vaughn, who wins? Vaughn Miller, 10 times out of 10 times. That's kind of what Paul just did to these guys. He said, okay, you think you're better? You want to compare works of the flesh? You want to compare successes? <laughs> Let me show you. He says, I'm better in every action and deed. I'm faultless when it comes to the law and not just that, but even my lineage. I'm a pure Hebrew. Now, Paul's not doing this to brag. He's not doing this to boast. It's not like he ends the chapter there. He's like, I'm the best. All right, thanks, guys. No, Paul continues. He says this, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of, of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss. Now, I'm going to stop right there for a second. What Paul says is he's saying, look, all those things I just bragged about, my perfections, my successes, all the things I've done right, you know what they are? They're a loss. It'd be like me doing this. This right here is my college diploma, okay? This represents 15 years of schooling. This represents years and years and hours upon hours of hard work, of dedication. This diploma represents sleepless nights, 
all-nighters that represent stress and worry and agony and hard work. This is quite possibly one of my greatest achievements. It's the pinnacle of my education right here in this paper. It represents everything I've learned. So imagine I show you this. I grab it, and then I just throw it in the trash. It's basically what Paul just did. He said, all that, my accomplishments, all that I've learned and know and achieved and succeeded at, all the works of my flesh, it's a loss. Now, it's not just a loss because Paul's saying those things are no good. There's no merit to it. No. There's a reason why Paul says it's a loss. He continues here in Philippians, right? So he says, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. You see, what he's saying is, in comparison to Christ and what he did and who he is, my successes, my accomplishments, my accolades don't even compare. They are nothing next to him. And he is worth more than all of that. Now, not only does Paul say that, but in the next line, he tells us where we need to place our identity. If our identity is not in our achievements, in our accomplishments, in our successes, and in what we've done, then where is it? Paul tells us. He says, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to read a line one more time. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Our identity is not in our successes, but our identity is found in what Christ accomplished on the cross. In other words, you, you no longer have to succeed at everything. You no longer have to be the best spouse or the best friend or the best student, the best athlete. You no longer have to be the best Christian to have worth. Because your identity, your worth is found in Christ and in what he accomplished on the cross. You are priceless to him. You are worth everything to him. Now, if our identity is tied to our success, what happens when we fail? It's tied directly to our failures, isn't it? If, if we put our identity in our own achievements, when we fail, our identity will write down the drain with it. Church, I have failed more than I'm proud to admit. I have failed in this job and in every job before it. I have failed in school. I failed in athletics. 
And I've had failures as a friend, as a son, as a sibling. I have had failures as a pastor, as a leader. I've had failures as a husband. And I'm willing to bet that all of you can relate. All of you can look back and say, yeah, I've had some failures too. And what happens with failure is, you know, we fail once or twice and, and we go, okay, you know what, I failed. I failed this once, it's okay. But as life goes on and as we continue to fail, as we fail two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times, what we begin to say is we, we move from I failed to I am a failure. Notice the shift? We see ourselves as failure. And that's very easy for us to do. And you know what? Sometimes, sometimes it doesn't even take a lot of failure. Sometimes all it takes is going to work and having a failure at work and then coming home and having a failure at home. Or going to school and failing a test and then having a failure on the field. Sometimes it's as quick as that and we move right from, man, I failed to I am a failure. Reality, guys, is you know what? Failure, that failure, it's in our flesh. It's in our DNA. Why? Well, because when you think about it, what is sin but the greatest failure? The definition of sin is missing the mark. It's falling short. That's a failure. When Adam and Eve, the beginning, right, they failed to obey. They failed to listen to God and took a bite of the apple, took a bite of the fruit, and sin entered. From then forward, sin was in our nature. Failure was in our nature. But there's hope. There's hope. Turn with me to Romans. Romans chapter Five. We're going to pick it up in verse 8. It says this, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have now received reconciliation. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In the middle of our failures, in the midst of our mess, Christ died. God knew, God knew that even after his sacrifice, we were going to continue to fail. We were going to continue to sin. When he died, he knew the magnitude and the multitude of our sins. He knew just how often and how big we would fail. And that's right where he chose to meet us, in the midst of our failures, in the middle of our sin. That's where Christ met us and died on a cross for you and me.
Our identity is not in our failures. Our identity is in what Christ accomplished on the cross. Maybe you're sitting here and you're going, wow, David, like, thanks, but that's really abstract. What does that mean? Well, I'm very thankful you asked. Thanks for asking. Having our identity in Christ and his sacrifice and what he did for us and what he accomplished on the cross means that we can say a few things about ourselves. We can say a few I am statements. So if you want, you can say this in your head. You can say it muffled behind your mask. But we can say, when our identity is found in Christ, that I am loved. I am forgiven. I am made righteous. I am redeemed. I am worth it. And so, church, the next time success begins to become a squirrel or a lion, the next time you feel like you have to strive and succeed and accomplish in order to be worth something, Remember, that's not where your identity is. That's not where your worth is. Your identity is in Christ and what he accomplished on the cross. And the next time you fail, and you will fail, likely more than once, remember that your failure doesn't define you. Your identity is not in your mistakes and how you've messed up and how you've fallen short. Your identity is in Christ and what he accomplished on the cross. You are loved. You are forgiven. You are made righteous. You are redeemed. You are worth it. Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity for us, Lord, to come together as a body, Lord, and worship and learn more about you. Father, I pray that as we continue to go through our lives and our weeks, I pray that we remember that in the midst of all the distraction and the things that can become squirrels, that we remember that our identity, our worth, is not found in our successes or in our accomplishments. That our identity and our worth is not found in our failures but, Lord, that our identity and worth is found in what you accomplished on the cross. Lord, I pray that we remember that we are loved, forgiven, made righteous, redeemed, and worth it. To you be all the glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.